Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Good Saturday morning to you. It is another wonderful weekend. Getting further into fall season, going further into October, getting closer to Election Day, which is what we're all about here on the program. Welcome into Candace Talk. I am Andy Hoosier, right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride. As always, getting you up and moving for a weekend. I love the fact that we're one of the first voices you get to hear on a Saturday as you're waking up. And wait a second, who's this crazy guy talking really fast and getting angry? Oh, yes, that's us here on this program. Welcome and great to have you along for the ride today. 316-721-825. What did I say? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join in. You can see how awake we are this morning. Oh, man. Ready to go. Big show lined up for you today. We uh, uh, still focus on election season as obviously we're getting closer here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have all the big state candidates on, candidate for governor, secretary of state, attorney general, we'll get all of them uh, run through the mill as well. We have our uh, county races. We'll try and do one more touch on those. We have a couple uh, legislative seats that we'll try and touch on as well. So there's a lot to talk about in the next few weeks, and we're going to kick that off with uh, the show today as Rick Lindsay, Republican candidate for House District Number 86. He'll be joining us coming up here soon at the bottom of the hour, and that's another one. Last week we talked with uh, one. This week we're talking with another one. If we could win these two seats, these are Democrat-controlled House seats in the Wichita area, that we have an opportunity to flip this election, giving us a bigger majority in, in Topeka for our state legislature. How amazing is that? How great is that? So we'll talk with Rick Lindsay coming up, our House candidate or uh, Republican candidate for House District Number 86, in just a little bit. In our number two, Michael Austin, Americans for Prosperity. We've chatted with him before many times. We love having him on the program, and we'll get him on to talk about taxes and the budget and the economy and how things are going right now, supply chain issues, and a heck of a lot more. So we'll get Michael Austin on in our number two, and possibly I don't have confirmation right now, but possibly. We'll have the Wichita Area Builders Association on at the end of next hour to talk about the fall parade of homes. So we may get that here in a little bit as well. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, It's pending. I don't have confirmation. So if not, then it's open lines to you as well. But it is open lines for the first half hour here at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK if you want to join the program today. There are a couple of things here that I have not talked much about on this program that I think we really, really, really need to talk about because uh, it's getting closer. Now, there's a reason I haven't addressed them on the show yet, and it's because a lot of people forget, and then it confuses people, and then we're trying to reiterate the same thing over and over. So I wanted to wait till the last couple weeks leading up to the election day to talk about these, but there are a lot of things on the ballot for this November, which just reiterates why we need to show up to the polls on election day there are a lot of really important things that we have to do on election day not just vote for governor not just vote for attorney general not just vote for secretary of state not just vote for our legislative seats or county commission seats but there's also some really important stuff on there as in two constitutional amendments and the retention of our state supreme court justices 
Now, if you remember, there was an election a few years ago. I believe it was the same election four years ago, if I remember correctly. But uh, it was, again, the time to retain or not retain our Kansas Supreme Court justices. And we got to a pretty decent margin. We still didn't win as in we didn't get to not retain. Uh, everybody asks, well, who do we retain and who do we not retain? I recommend that you just don't retain anybody except for the one guy. Caleb St- uh, Siegel? Stiegel? Caleb's the only one that you really need to retain. A- after that, get rid of all of them. Now, here's the bigger problem, and this is something that we need to address in the state, is we need to work on how we nominate Supreme Court justices. Uh, I haven't focused as much attention on the retainment or non-retainment of our Supreme Court justices because if we do not retain and we boot them out, that's cool. And especially if we get Governor Derek Schmidt in office, which I believe we will, then we might have a little bit better chance of getting a better individual on the state Supreme Court. But before, in my humble opinion, before we focus too much attention to booting people off of the Supreme Court, we have to fix the way that we actually nominate Supreme Court justices in the state. And we've talked about it a while ago. Many may have forgotten, or maybe maybe new listeners to this program and don't understand how the process actually works. Most of the time, in most states and nationally at the federal level, a Supreme Court justice is nominated by the President of the United States, for example. Then they do the Q&A and they do the testimony, they do the hearings, and they do the application process, essentially, through the Senate, in which the Senate does the committee, they do the Q&A, they interview them, they talk to them, and then they vote up or down to a yay or nay. That allows all three branches to essentially be involved in the process, so that way we have transparency in the election of our Supreme Court justices, since you and I don't actually vote on the ballot for these individuals. That's how it's done at the federal level. That's how it's done at most of these statewide levels. Here in Kansas, we do things just a little bit differently. We don't have the nomination from the governor and then an interview process through the Senate to confirm to go on the Supreme Court. Oh, no, we leave the legislature out of it entirely. What we do here is we have the governor nominate three individuals, and then those three individuals go through an application process, an interview process to not the legislature, but the Bar Association, ahead of a whole bunch of attorneys and and lawyers that get to decide who's going to actually become our next Supreme Court justice. Now, I ask you, in our process that we have, Which branch of government is the most transparent and the most connected, quote unquote, with the average voter and with the average individual as our representative? It would be our state legislature, the House of Representatives and the state Senate. So why do they not have a say in our process in nominating our Supreme Court justices? That's the question that I've always had and that bothers me here in the state. I don't know where we got this process of let's let a whole bunch of lawyers and elite uh, attorneys try to decide behind closed doors in a smoke-filled room on who's going to actually be our next Supreme Court justice after they nominate it from the governor. And the governor knows that the Bar Association is relatively left-leaning overall, so therefore... Even as a Republican governor, even when Sam Brownback was in office, they had to nominate relatively moderate Supreme Court justices. And by moderate, because they're not supposed to be political, they're supposed to be apolitical. They had to nominate ones that were favorable as quote-unquote semi-activists on the court to favor left-wing decisions from the Supreme Court. And I'm not okay with that. So during this election coming up in November, do we need to retain? No, we do not need to retain. So when you see them on the ballot this year, outside of Caleb, vote no to retain. 
And that's a very difficult thing to do because most individuals only kind of half pay attention to the ballot. And outside of voting for governor and voting for their legislative seats and voting for the constitutional amendments, which we'll get to in a second here as well, outside of voting on those things that they're semi-aware of and in, in, uh, informed on, they see Supreme Court justices and they're like, I don't know. Yes, 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 just retain down the ballot and move on. So in order for us to not retain, in order for us to not retain, we have to do our due diligence to let everybody know about not retaining. And sometimes that's a bit of a difficult task, and you almost have to create a political campaign around it to make people aware uh, to vote that certain way. So it's something that we need to be aware of. And yes, they are on the ballot this year. And no, you do not want to retain those Supreme Court justices because it is time for a change. However, that's not going to be the end-all, be-all saving issue here. We need to move forward with changing the process on how they're done in the first place. The other issue, and we'll take some calls because we have some calls on the line here as well. The other issue is, is that we do have two constitutional amendments on the ballot. Now, for some, again, that are like half paying attention to the political world, they hear constitutional amendment. They're like, oh, yeah, well, we just had one, right? We just had one. We had the primary election where we had the value them both bill. That was a constitutional amendment. We voted it down. So we're already off to kind of a rocky start on the constitutional amendments in Kansas. But we do have two of them and at least not telling you how to vote. But in my opinion, I'm voting yes on both of them. And I think we should vote yes on both of them. And I would like to see both of them go through. Number one is a constitutional amendment allowing oversight to the executive branch. This one came about during the COVID-19 pandemic where the governor and the Kansas Department of Health and Environment and Dr. Lee Norman at the time had full power and oversight and regulatory authority over you to close down businesses. If you are one of those that had a small business that was vastly negatively affected during the COVID-19 pandemic because you were deemed non-essential to take care of your family, this bill is for you. If you were one that tried to go to work during the COVID-19 pandemic and could not do so because the business you worked for was deemed non-essential, this bill is for you. If you are one that did not want to have to walk around with a face diaper on your face and not have to wear a mask all the time, but you were forced to do so because of the statewide mandates that came down, this bill is for you. If you had kids that were in school that were held back and were actually trying to do the remote learning that turned out to be an absolute disaster in this state, this bill is for you. This is from this came about from all the regulations from the governor and the KDHE during the COVID-19 pandemic that the legislature had no oversight or authority on. And they couldn't do a thing about it. Now, during bills in Congress, in the state legislature, in the legislative process, Congress writes the bill, they pass the bill, and if they pass the bill, then the governor can either sign the bill or veto the bill. And if they veto the bill, then that's the only time that we have oversight on the governor is to override her veto with a supermajority vote from the state legislature. What this constitutional amendment essentially does According to the bill, and you can find this on the Secretary of State's website at sos.ks.gov, the purpose of this amendment is to provide the legislature with oversight of the executive branch agencies and officials by providing the legislature authority to establish procedures to revoke or suspend rules or regulations. Meaning, if there's an executive order that comes down from the governor that is not within our constitutional rights for her to do so, like all the COVID-19 pandemic regulations that came down for the last two years. If this bill, if this constitutional amendment passes, which I really hope it does, then the Republican legislature would have the chance to stop it and to override it with their elected, uh, with their uh, committee that they would come up with. 
with their leadership committee. Now, this doesn't go for just Democrat governors. This goes with any governor. So if, uh, let's say, that Derek Schmidt gets in there and he does a bad bill, Republicans would have the oversight as well in that legislature to decide on whether it's actually constitutional or right or whether it's okay or not. Why would we not have legislative authority in oversight over the governor with executive action? Because executive action is supposed to be few and far between, and you can see how powerful that turned out to be over the last couple of years. That's bill number one. I want to talk some more details about it here in just a little bit. The second one, real quickly, is another one on guaranteeing the elections of county sheriffs, which doesn't seem like a major issue right now, but I think it's going to be big as we move forward, especially with the left-wing progressive Democrat agenda at the national level to centralize our law enforcement and get rid of any oversight at the local level on who leads your uh, uh, law enforcement and how law enforcement actually handles certain issues. I think, to me personally, this is a major bill, and I think this is extremely important to lock in and secure elections of county sheriffs in your local community to where you still have oversight and say on who's running your law enforcement at the local level. I think, again, that's a big one. So personally, for mine, as we talk about different issues on this uh, on this program and as we talk about election season coming up, I am voting on our election sounder. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. I'm voting yes on both constitutional amendments for both the oversight for the legislature over the governor and for securing in the elections at the local level for our county sheriffs. 316-721-8255. Do you agree, disagree? What's your thoughts on these? We are now, what is today? Hold on, let me swing across the studio here. As we do that, we come back here. All right, so we have this week, next week, and the following week. We have two weeks after this program to talk to candidates and get you set for elections. Are you set, are you ready, and are you prepared for this election coming up in November? I want to get your thoughts on it. 316-721-8255. Let's go to the phones here. Line number one. Good morning, who's this? Hey, salutations, Andy. Mr. Sean, how are you, sir? <laughs> oh, man, feeling pretty good this morning out here at the lake, having my uh, having my uh, caffeine. Well, that's good. You need it. I mean, you got you to gotta swing into, where do you go? You go to McDonald's and grab your coffee every day, you say? Uh, what I, yeah, what I do is uh, I try to get over on the man, and I take in a used cup or, a, 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 you know, a, my own coffee cup, and then I asked for the senior, it's a 20 ounce cup. So I asked for the senior coffee, uh, with, with, with the refill and, uh, and have it put all in one cup. And it only cost me 85 cents up here, 21st and Amity. So hey, there you so, go. So I feel like I'm getting over on the man that way, sticking it to the man, sticking you know? it to the man. There you go. That's what it's all about. What do you think? Are you prepared for elections? And uh, do those constitutional amendments make sense? I mean, is that something that we need to focus on? You think? Uh, yeah, I do. In fact, I just got my ballot uh, in the mail a couple of days ago. Fantastic. <clears throat> I, haven't op- I haven't opened it up yet, but <clears throat> you, uh, in your opening monologue, you brought up something. Uh, really important a great question i never thought of it before uh, until you brought it up the only thing i noticed is that when it comes time to retain um, some supreme court justices it never shows what party they're uh, a member of so i never know so who the hell am i retaining well that's uh, that's the issue that's the issue because you're they're not supposed to be part of a party they're only supposed to be just a supreme court justice that knows knowledge of the constitution the problem is 
is that it depends on who nominates them, either a Republican or Democrat governor. So we're going to get a political bias one way or the other there. And then it's oversighted by a bar association that's run by a bunch of liberal progressive elite um, high society attorneys that decide our Supreme Court justice. That to me makes zero sense. How Whoever came up with that process in Kansas needs to like, I don't know. I don't want to like cause well, anything here, not, but come on, man. How come it's not done the same way uh, uh, in the state as it is at the federal level? Yeah. Where you got, you know, Senate confirming. That's the question. Uh, yeah. You know, so yeah, you brought up a really good point uh, on that. And then, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, there needs to be some, uh, the same thing with the governors there is with the president, you know, the the president answers to Congress and the American people, and all the governor answers to the uh, to the uh, uh, people of his or her state. But uh, you know, it should also answer to the legislature. Sure. I, I don't know that it's every way in the same state. You know, different states do different things. I know that. Sure. But, uh, no, you're right. You know, I mean, yeah, every state does everything a little bit different. But you're right. We need to have oversight over the governor because we can see how powerful the governor was for the last two years. And it was disastrous for our state. And she's defending it for some reason. But at least that we're aware of it and we can do something about it with this constitutional amendment. So, yes, I say don't retain Supreme Court justices. Vote no on those except for Caleb because he's kind of a cool guy. And then vote yes on the constitutional amendments, at least in my opinion. That's what my plan is. Well, I want to. While they're at it, they can uh, vote a constitutional amendment just for me that gives me the right to well away on Democrats, mm. liberal Democrats. There I'm you off. go. There you go. I like it. <laughs> so, I like it. Right. Hey, you know what? What you got? You know what? It's a beautiful day, and um, I'm having my coffee. I was going to have my devotion, but you're distracting me, so I'm going to try to squeeze that in. Then I'm going to go get some brewage and the... And, uh, for after the show and listen to uh, some more radio, and that's that's pretty much going to be my afternoon, I guess. You know what? That sounds that's like my- a what? Yeah, that sounds like a wonderful weekend, Sean. I love. It. I got to take a break here, my friend. I appreciate it. Stay warm out there. Enjoy the fall, and let's get ready for elections. And yes, go enjoy some more talk radio. And I'm glad that uh, we're that distracting, even though the devotional is important. So go ahead and do that as well. You can take a little bit of time off, I guess, for that. All right, we'll take a break here. We got to take a when we come back after the bottom of the hour. After a few minutes, Rick Lindsay, candidate for House District 86, Republican candidate. We'll chat with him. Another seat that we can flip. This election is what Donald Trump calls huge. Huge. And bigly. Constitutional amendments, the retainment of our Supreme Court justices, governor, secretary of state, attorney general, legislative seats across the board. We can set the tone for our state moving forward with this election. This one for Kansas specifically is even more important than what we saw a couple of years ago for the presidential races. Yeah. Yeah, it's that big. We'll talk some more about it and break some more of these bills down when we come back right around the corner here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into the program. 28 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'm telling you, this election is going to be bigly. It's going to be huge, as Donald Trump says. We're going to break down these bills a little bit more detail as the show goes on today because they are important, and I think we need to be aware of exactly what these entail so that way you're informed. And again, when you go to the voting booth in November and you know exactly what to vote on or not to vote on, when what you support and don't support. But in my opinion, 
the last couple of years, the reactionary emotional response from the Kelly administration has been an absolute disaster. And now she just feels that she has the power. This is the testing ground. And we've talked about that with the COVID pandemic overall as a testing ground for what they've wanted to do to the general public and the oversight and telling you what vaccine to get, telling you how to live your life, telling you what mask to wear, telling you where and when you can't do things. I'm not okay with that. And if the governor tries that again, we need to have our protections in place from the legislature that, by the way, is a little bit more on the boots on the ground representation of what the Kansas people want for them to have better oversight in case they try any shenanigans again from these administrations and the bureaucratic departments from the state government. We'll do some more of that when we come back. Plus, Republican House District number 86, Rick Lindsay, he'll be joining us in studio to talk about his seat. Could we flip another Democrat seat here in the Wichita area? That'll be one we'll talk about when we come back right around the corner. Plus, we'll get some more your phone calls here on Candace Talk on Wichita's Big Talk of KQAM. Hang tight. Tell him he's wrong at 316-721-TALK. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Who says I'm wrong? What the hell's wrong with you? Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out here on a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for another weekend. That's what we do every single Saturday, getting you up and going. We are three weeks away, two and a half weeks away, whatever it is from Election Day. It's coming up quick. Get prepared for it. want to talk to you about some partners here on KQM and Kansas Talk, our friends at Napoleon Appliance Repair. All your appliance repair in your home. We're going to have them on the program actually next weekend. So looking forward to chatting with them about that. If you have any issues, don't go out and get a new brand new appliance. No need to do so. Get it repaired, get it fixed, and have it running smoothly for you again. You can give them a call at 316-409-1525, 316-409-1525. You can also follow them on their Facebook page as well at Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC. Proud partner here on KQAM and with us on Candace Talk, I talked with Mike, the head of Napoleon Appliance Repaired, a couple of days ago, and he is looking forward to coming in program, uh, coming into the show and talking with us next weekend. So looking forward to that, and welcome back into the show. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. But let's shift gears into uh, candidate discussions here. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. Elections 2022, and excited to have in studio with us here for a little bit, a Republican candidate for House District number 86, Mr. Rick Lindsay. Rick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you. There are a few seats here in the Wichita area that are huge for us to potentially flip and turn red. Talking to House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins, he's optimistic that we could go from the 88-seat majority we have in the House right now up to about 90 to 92 uh, seats uh, for Republicans, and which would not only just give us the supermajority, but would also allow us to really get some solid things done this year. And you're one of those seats where uh, it's an open seat going in this year. and It's been predominantly Democrat for a while, but there's a good chance you could flip this one red for us. How, how are you feeling on the streets when you're talking to people? Is it, is it optimist, optimistic? Are people excited? Yes, I, th- I think so. Um, and that is my goal, of course, is to... Uh to have the seat go into into our hands, if you will, but more important, uh, just to be 
interested in in what the people need in the district. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into the platform, talk about your background a little bit. What got you to this point? So what kind of have you done in the past? And what got you to jump in your throw your hat in the ring here? So in terms of politics, I've had an interest in that for some time. It's something that I believe matters, and uh, and I've always believed that. But uh, it seems like in the last many years, we've we've kind of converted into this thing where everyone is paying attention, and some for some reasons that are good, and some reasons that are not. Sure. And uh, so I, I had two other races that I ran here on a local basis uh, uh, back eight about eight years ago. Okay. And uh, I was running for representative both of those times, so this would be my third time running. And I'm committed to, to getting elected, but more important to getting the job done for, for the residents of District 86. Yeah, I love it. What kind of profession have you had in the past? So I've had uh, some background in uh, retail management. Okay. As well as uh, security management. Sure. And um, a little bit of law enforcement here and there. I've had a lot of training in that. Okay. So I have a, a, a lot of understanding of security considerations, which is an important issue these days, but also... Uh, my biggest accomplishment and the thing I'm most proud of is my Navy service. I, I, I did that for over 20 years sure. and uh, with a couple of deployments in there as well. And uh, that, that taught me a lot and that kind of experience, I, I believe, is valuable. Fantastic. Well, f- first off, thank you for your service and what you've done there. Uh, so it sounds like, I mean, you have experience in a lot of what's going on right now between the security and the economy, which I'm assuming knocking on doors right now, talking to people on the streets, as we get closer to election, I'm assuming economic issues have been kind of forefront for people of the inflation rates, high gas prices, high grocery prices. I mean, that that kind of been a lot of the conversation you're hearing on the streets right now. Yes, those discussions do come up. And uh, of course, that's important to all of us, considering uh, the policies that we have right now that are creating this kind of environment where we, where we all have economic challenges in terms of paying the bills and and taking care of our basic needs. And also education. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the importance of education for their kids and, and taking care of the priorities that, that are needed to be taken care of there, but also making sure that um, that it, the local agenda is what, what happens in education and that we're not um, leaving parents out of the picture. Yeah, I am into that. There's a lot of conversation we could have about education, both with the funding of it, which is laughable because we just seem to throw money at it when it doesn't really solve a whole lot of the issue, in my opinion, but at the same time, the critical race theory and then the COVID regulations and the curriculum that they're trying to put in, I think that education's a lot of a focal point the legislature needs to have, isn't it? It is, but and, and also in that regard, I've talked to several teachers and also attended meetings that I received invitations to at the schools and just trying to learn about what their needs are and to take care of them. And, and and the bottom line is that the money needs to go to the teachers and the students because that's what that's what we're all involved in that for. Uh, you know, they have to have what they need. And also the parents need to have some understanding of what's being taught and to be aware of that and to also not have their rights uh, be violated, um, you know, whether it's here and much more so in other states. Yeah, that is very true. You had mentioned a lot of uh, people starting to pay more attention than usual, which I think is a really good news. Uh, are you seeing that uh, as well with people focusing specifically on their kids' education? I mean, the last uh, local school board election that we had, we got conservative Republicans on the school board, which is a shocker because normally people don't pay attention to that race. And now it's an evenly divided school board uh, here in the Wichita area. Are a lot more people focused on, hey, wait a second, 
what are my kids being taught? What are they bringing home for homework and and what's going on within the classroom? I think that's an important conversation for us to have, isn't it? It is. It is. And also, you know, it's not a it's not as important to me, Republican or Democrat, in terms of who who's elected. Sure. As long as they care about what happens with the kids, mm-hmm. um, and also uh, on that, um, trying to kind of lost my thought there, but um, it's it, we have we have an opportunity. Like you said, it's not it's not a partisan thing, and it shouldn't be a partisan thing for our school board. But it should be the focus on not the administration, not the unions, not the bureaucrats the office side of things, but actually what's going on in the classroom. That's right. And I did recall what I was thinking about now in terms of uh, school board elections, they're trying to change uh, how that's done. And I think that that's, uh, that's maybe not something to rush through. They, they, uh, I think maybe some were not happy with the results of the last election. And so now they're trying to change outcomes and trying to change how the uh, school board members are elected. Sure, absolutely. Let's talk about some economic issues for a second. Obviously, we saw the report that came out last week nationally that we're at like a 9% inflation rate right now. We're still struggling economically. Gas prices are slowly creeping up. They're kind of back and forth in the oil market right now. But gas is still well over $3 a gallon, which is hurting a lot of individuals. We have very little food in the grocery stores. I went to the grocery store and they weren't out of so many things, which is ridiculous. And then what they did have was way more expensive than what's what's usually there. How can we start fixing this? If you get into, into Topeka, into the legislature, what can we do to start addressing these issues and make sure we get back to somewhat normalcy here? So that's a real challenge at the state level. Um, there's I do believe that there's things that we can do. Um, one, of the, one of my priorities is to try to look at uh, property taxes and, and having a reduction of those simply because the state of Kansas is, is typically much more expensive than surrounding states when it comes to that. And also reducing fees. Uh, anytime someone registers their vehicle uh, in this state, it's like a mortgage payment or more. Yeah. you know, to do that. And we, we, just, we need to start taking a strong look at, at the costs we can control here. And then the things we can't control, of course, um, we just need real solutions in Washington. We don't need to have uh, them pursuing economic policies that hurt people. Well, it's almost a focus that we need to have is more of an economic independence here in Kansas, not relying on so many government programs from the federal government, not relying on so many mandates from them. Uh, Let's actually do things ourselves and let's fund things ourselves. Personally, and I've said this many times on the show before, I would be open to a higher tax rate at the state level if we could get rid of some of the federal dependency that we have in the state and actually let us be more independent as a a state. Sure. And that's the thing. I really believe the federal government has got too much into dictates, and especially when we receive funding from them, that creates all kinds of problems, and we do need to try to try to take care of what we have to here, still fund essential services, sure, and then, uh, and then try to get rid of some of the regulation that makes it, uh, from the federal level, that makes it a challenge to really do the work that we need to get done here. Yeah. From what you've seen, your perspective, do you think that we are – Ish. I mean, I'm not talking economically here or supply chain issues, but mandate-wise and regulation-wise, are we about over all the COVID garbage, the COVID pandemics, the masks, the vaccines? I know there's still conversations around about having masks for children or trying to get the vaccine for children, which is a controversial thing as well. But are we just about over all the COVID stuff now here in Kansas, do you think? Well, I think we, we have certainly moved from pandemic stage to endemic stage to where, yes, COVID is going to be around, and it can be have a serious consequence for some people. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, when it comes to mandates and, and you know, having uh, things instituted like that, I think we need to move beyond that and just take care of uh, what we have to take care of. And, of course, you know, on an individual level, if people choose to wear a mask or if they choose to get a vaccine, that's up to them. But uh, mandates, I think, need to be uh, – we need to move away from that. Just on the end of it, yeah. That's, I, I think in this kind of, we were talking about it earlier on the program, the constitutional amendment coming up with oversight from the legislature for the executive branch and for the agencies and departments. I mean, do you think that's a good idea? Is that some type of oversight you think we need to have? I didn't understand that it's, last question. <laughs> the, the constitutional amendment that's on the bill for uh, that's on the ballot for this November of uh, the legislative oversight over the executive branch. Do you think, in your your opinion, do you think that's a good idea? Do we need to have that oversight on the governor? I think overall it is. Um, when it comes to um, um, mandates from ex- the executive branch uh, through executive orders, uh, that both on the state level and on the national level, on the national level it's just out of control right now. Sure. Uh, yeah, we need to have some controls there to where, because we need to be within the law and we also need to not have overreach just because of a stroke of a pen. Yeah, exactly. We're talking with Rick Lindsay, a Republican candidate for House District Number 86. we got a few minutes left here, but I want to shift gears a bit because uh, you've had an interesting history in running for the races here and especially involved with somebody uh, that uh, right now is in a bit of a hot seat as well, which is kind of fun. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that later on in the program. But this to me shows how scared they are of potentially losing these seats and how desperate the Democrat Party is in the area right now is that. There are a lot of seats in this area right now that Democrats do not have anybody running in these districts, which is shocking to me because usually they at least try to put somebody up to at least make Republicans spend money, make them pay attention to their own district as opposed to helping out other individuals. They don't have a lot of candidates this election, which means they're focusing their attentions on ones to preserve the seats they have. This is one of the seats that you have that's an open seat that you could flip that's been Democrat for a while to Republican. But in some of your past elections, you've gone head to head with former Wichita Mayor, or with current Wichita Mayor Brandon Whipple right now. But he's kind of not liking you run again. He's kind of thrown some uh, some resources uh, to your opponent right now, hasn't he? I believe so. Um, I think much of that is behind the scenes, of course. And you know, he's a Democrat, so I can appreciate him wanting to be involved like that. But uh, sure, you know, I think we all have a job to do. And we need to be focused more on what the people need and also not bringing attention to ourselves uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, the public. The public needs us to lead. And for the longest time, I think politicians at any level have kind of uh, manipulated people based on emotions and taken away from the central issue of, of what we're elected to do, which is to take care of of the uh, potential constituents that, that we're asking asking to represent. Yeah, some of the behind-the-scenes politics kind of gets muddled in there every once in a while, especially during election season. It's unfortunate because the voters just want to know what you stand for, the policies that you have, and then get to choose on whether they agree with somebody or not. And some of the behind-the-scenes shenanigans is unfortunate, but uh, they have kind of started a tirade against you, which is why, for the listeners here, uh, they, they're aware that how important this race is and how big this one would be for you to actually win and get in there. we got a couple minutes left here. We'll talk about your where is, for those that don't know, where is District Number 86? It's kind of like Central Wichita, kind of a little bit Southern Central Wichita, isn't it? That's correct. So it's it's going to be South Central Wichita, um, <clears throat> kind of just right at the river and east of there over to Edgemore, and then uh, north up to Douglas and south to Pawnee 
Fantastic. I love it. Last uh, last comment to get people out to go and vote, obviously, but anything you want to say to any of the listeners? Yes, of course. So bottom line is my my campaign is about appealing to the people of the of District 86, Republican, Independent, and even some Democrats. I'd certainly welcome them to come on board because, again, the mission has to be about what the people need and taking care of the needs of South Wichita, which in all honesty, uh, for some time now, I think we've had that need and maybe we haven't delivered where we could have. Yeah. And you're, you've actually won over a lot from the, from the other side a little bit to come on to you. I gotta, I gotta bring this up and mention it briefly here because the teachers union actually endorsed you temporarily before they revoked it because of course you're a Republican. So you're evil and horrible and you can't actually stand for education according to their standards, but they did originally endorse you because the teachers actually enjoyed what you had to say because of a common sense approach to these issues. I believe so. Yes. And, uh, that did happen. I, I'm trying not to focus on that because, you know, uh, in, in the end, this is about a, a campaign and, and, you know, what, what others do is not a, as much of a concern of mine. Yeah, well, but the fact that you've won it over, I think, is a good sign. So whether the uh, higher-ups like that or not, you know, you're winning people down on the homes, on the boots on the ground and on the street, and I think that's what really counts, and I think that's why you have a great shot to do this. So Rick Lindsay, Republican candidate for House District Number 86, good luck on the campaign trail, my friend. I know it's a very tough race, but I'm excited to see what's going to happen in November. Thank you. I appreciate that. I am too. Hey, looking forward to it. All right, we got to take a break here. We'll wrap up hour number one. We got lots more to get to here. Again, Rick Lindsay, Republican candidate for district number 86, right here in the Wichita area. If you have the opportunity to try and knock on doors to campaign to let people know about what's going on, this is the way to do it. I'm sure you've maybe seen, and for those watching on the Facebook and the video feeds here as well, you're going to see some of the flyer here. I'm sure you've seen some of those come in. Let's do this. Let's flip another seat. Let's make Wichita great again. Ah, you like that? Like what we did? That's what it's all about. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. ARP Weathers the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator. Getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's back on the line again with us this week. Glenda, how are you today? I am doing well, Andy. Very good to be back with you. Yeah. Thanks. Always good to chat with you. There's lots to talk about. Obviously, now that we're getting into the holiday season, which blows my mind that we're already at that level. But uh, we're here. The holidays are right around the corner, yes, which means also donations for charities. A big portion of this year as we get into the end of the year. But that also means as we donate to charities, that charity scams are also out there as well. Talk about the latest that you guys have seen. You're absolutely right. Well, I tell you what, there are charity schemes of um, all kinds. There are scams. And what we really want our um, listeners to know about is that as Americans, we know that we are a giving people. So in 2023, in the midst of a pandemic uh, that crippled the economy, we still contributed nearly half a trillion dollars, according to the Giving USA Foundation. So we're still in the mode of giving and sharing with others. But unfortunately, some of those funds went to criminal scammers who capitalized on donors' goodwill to line their pockets. 
So this is what we want to bring an awareness to this morning. Very good. I love it. Uh, when you're looking at these, I mean, how do they reach out to you? Is it by email? Is it by phone? Is it even knocking on doors? How do they try to get you on these? Yes. Well, as always, we know that there's always a couple people or a couple groups that they really look at to uh, scam or those kinds of donations. So they are what we call faux fundraising activities that the scammers have, and two particularly are those that are for veterans and disaster relief. So we know that uh, people are really asking for funds because scammers know how readily we open our hearts and our wallets to those who served and to those who are working to rebuild their lives, like, for example, after a hurricane or any natural disasters. So, But there are two charity scam red flags that we really want uh, our listeners to be aware of and to, to look out for. Number one, anyone who puts pressure on you to give right away. A legitimate charity, as we know, will always welcome your donation whenever you choose to make it. So they're not going to give you you know, a deadline to make a, do- a donation. And also, if they request your payment for your donation by cash or by gift card or wire transfer, those are, again, criminals who are trying to get paid in an easy way, and they're scammers. And so you know that any request to pay a debt or an obligation or such as a donation by gift card is certainly a scam. Yeah, the scams are the big the gift cards, and like we've talked about so many other times before as well, by either doing a Western Union or a uh, yes. some type of wire transfer uh, as well, right? Wire transfer. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, uh, Andy, we really want everyone to just be a fraud fighter and really look out for these types of scams because, again, as we always say, if you can spot a scam, you can stop a scam. Amen and to we that. want people to also absolutely reach out to our uh, Fraud Watch Network at aarp.org slash broadwatchnetwork or call us because we have dedicated uh, help pe- help uh, helpers on the line to speak to a fraud specialist. And that's at the one eight seven seven nine zero eight three three six zero number. That's some great information, not just to learn about some of the scams, but if you have been uh, attempted to be scammed at or if they come You've after you, then you can report it as well so that way everybody else knows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. What else is going on with the AARP? You guys always have all your virtual stuff. You're starting your movies for grownups again, which is really exciting. But what else do you guys have coming up here? Yes, yes. As you said, we are uh, starting those uh, movies for grownups, but we also will have other virtual events online. So we just, again, invite everyone to go to our website at a- or our Facebook page, uh, aarp.kansas, and look for events and look for the virtual events like our concerts that are coming up this month. Lots of things to get involved with across the organization. Yeah, so many great things you guys have going on. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them, follow them on their social media as well. It's Glenda with the AARP. Glenda, we always appreciate the time. Let's do it again next week. Thank you so much. You take care. There it is. That's the AARP. We always appreciate them. We'll get another update from them next week. All right. That does it for hour number one. Flies right on by. Holy cow, man. Fastest hour of radio and radio. We're just blowing right on through. When we come back in hour number two, Michael Austin, Americans for Prosperity. Yeah, we'll talk with them. We'll talk about economic issues, tax issues, inflation issues, state budget issues, and a heck of a lot more with Michael Austin. Also, it's open lines to you to wrap up the program as well. We have a lot more to get to here. We'll talk some more about the constitutional amendments. Are you aware of them? Do you know what they are? And we got to have some fun, man. We got to have some fun with 
the low-hanging fruit, our local AOC to kind of pick on. Yes, I am talking about our very own Wichita Mayor Brandon Whipple. We'll do some of that and more coming up in hour number two right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. Wichita's number one local conservative talk radio program in all of, well, Wichita. Thanks for listening. We always love you guys to death. Appreciate you very, very much. Always for hanging out with us here on the program. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we'd love to hear from you today. Presented in part by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. It's Phil's Coins. We've told you this many times before. If you need any gold and silver, there are very few places you can actually get it because it's so back-ordered and so hard to find. But this guy has it in stock, not just for the city or the county or really the state, but the entire Mid-America region. He's about the only guy that has it in store ready for you. You can walk out with it in hand for your gold and silver. They're open right now until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. What a show we've had already today. We had Rick Lindsay on the program, Republican candidate for House District number 86. We've covered a little bit, and we'll cover them a little bit later on the program again today as well, regarding the two constitutional amendments that are on the ballot. Extremely important, and yes, there is a reason why I've not talked about them until now. Because if I mentioned them a month ago, people would be like, hey, wait a second, what was that again? And you would forget. Because we have short attention spans. I know that we're Republicans and elephants, therefore we have long memories. However... Sometimes we forget about these things. We need the proper details. So uh, we'll talk some more about those. What are those constitutional amendments? We also talked briefly about the retainment of the Supreme Court justices or the lack thereof, hopefully. And we'll get to that here in just a bit as well. Bottom of the hour, we're going to have Wes on the program from the Wichita Area Builders Association. The Fall Parade of Homes is underway right now, and we'll look forward to chatting with him about that. I am excited about the Fall Parade of Homes and all the cool stuff going on there. But right now, excited to have this guy back on the program as we move through. And he's not a candidate, but it's still election talk-ish. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. And we love having on the program. He is with Americans for Prosperity for the state of Kansas. Excited to have on the program Mr. Michael Austin back with us here. Michael, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Doing well, Andy. How are you? I am doing great. It's always good to talk with you, my friend. It is troubling times, to say the least, when it comes to the economy. And that's what, obviously, what you guys focus on with your background, Michael. You focus so much on taxes and the economy and the budgets and I don't remember the last time I've seen gas prices this high. I don't remember the last time we've seen inflation this high. I don't remember the last time groceries were this high, if you can even find them, because I went to the grocery store a couple of days ago and they didn't have anything I was looking for. So we're in kind of an odd state right now, aren't we? 
we, we really are. And so when I look at this uh, question one constitutional amendment on the ballot, I think it's the answer to what's quickly becoming the greatest threat to not just our liberty, but exactly what you said, high prices and unfortunately slowing jobs. And that threat is the growing power of state agencies. So what? This November, Kansans, I think, should take power back from these unelected bureaucrats, vote yes on question one, and return our economy a bit back to normal. Amen to that. We are we seem to be mirroring what the federal government's done it is slowly but surely we've increased the bureaucratic state to where they just kind of run things. And the federal government shouldn't be doing this as well. I believe it's unconstitutional to have every department and agency essentially run things. We're in this battle now with student loan forgiveness that I'd love to pick your brain on a little bit as well. But they just just out of the whim, just, oh, you know what? We're going to spend trillions of dollars. We're going to do this student loan forgiveness program, or we're going to do this uh, EPA regulation, or we're going to do this department of whatever funding project. And we don't have any say in this. And I don't understand how we got to this point. Exactly. So, you know, here in the state of Kansas, if you go back to your Civics 101, we're supposed to have three branches of government, right? Your legislature, your executive, your judicial branch. But over time, and obviously you see this in D.C., but even here in Kansas, there's a growing fourth branch of government, and that's the rules and regulations branch. And here in Kansas, you think it's bad. Well, guess what? These folks write their own rules and think of them as a law. They interpret them like a law, and they even have their own hearings where they enforce them. All of this without being accountable to democracy. Um, That's a problem, and it needs checking. It needs to be stopped. It is unfortunate. I'm glad we have this constitutional amendment that's coming up here uh, on this initiative. I'm assuming this came after the COVID-19 pandemic. Am I right? After the lockdowns, your business is not essential. We're going to keep abortion clinics and liquor stores open, but we're going to shut down the churches and everything else because it's not essential. The overpowering authority from the governor and from the Kansas Department of Edu- uh, of Health and Environment during the COVID pandemic really, I think, was an eye-opener of how little oversight we have when the governor feels like they can just write off an executive order and do whatever they want to. That's right. You know, legislators are elected, but bureaucrats are not. Um, and yet these bureaucrats seem to be creating regulations with the rule of law, and there's no accountability. So this question one, constitutional amendment, it will give the legislature the power to remove any unnecessary or burdensome rules or regulations, you know, with a simple majority, 50% plus one. I honestly think it's a bipartisan compromise. It says, hey, if we as the legislators uh, do our constitutional duty and pass a law, then we should have a say if a state agency writes a rule that goes against that law. I think it's perfectly reasonable. Why would someone be against something like this? Would it be purely for political agenda because they don't want the legislature to have that kind of control and power? Well, you know, you go back to our Constitution, the legislature should have that power. It's the yeah. it's the branch of government that should uh, create laws. And the uh, executive agency has the power to, you know, enforce those laws. So they should be working in tandem. Anyone who does not want to restore power back to the Kansas legislature probably has some political reason in doing so. Maybe, you know, they really like Governor Laura Kelly having all the power and, and, and whatnot, and they don't want to see, you know, her, her power being diminished. It's not about who's in the office. Right. It's about what is our Kansas Constitution says? What did we learn about when we watched Schoolhouse Rock or took our civics classes? You know, that power should remain with the legislature. And this constitutional amendment will make sure it stays that way. Boy, wouldn't that be really nice on the same front? This isn't really an economic issue, but the retainment of the Supreme Court justices that is up on the ballot again this year as well. There was a big push a few years ago to try and not retain a lot of these Supreme Court justices. And the fact that we have that power is neat. 
And I am encouraging individuals to not retain the majority of them, except for Caleb, obviously. But on the other front, that doesn't quite solve the major issue. And as we talk about legislative oversight and authority, when are we going to actually have a serious conversation, do you think, about changing the way we nominate Supreme Court justices instead of having some bureaucrats and some attorneys and some lawyers with the Bar Association choose them for us that aren't accounted for? When are we going to start mimicking the process that we do at like the federal level to where Congress and the state Senate could have oversight on that nomination process? Well said. You know, we have a really big problem here in Kansas where our, our state justices like to engage in lawmaking. You know, they feel like uh, uh, they have the power to change the law when in reality what they really should be doing is assessing whether a law is constitutional, right, whether it follows the Kansas Constitution. And too often we've seen our state justices insert words in the Kansas Constitution, declare Kansas law as old or decrepit and need removal. If you want to act like a lawmaker, then guess what? You should be constrained like a lawmaker. And that means we need to take a second look at the way Kansas selects its state Supreme Court justices, because, you know, we can't have the left continuing to use this unelected body to push an agenda without ever getting Kansans approval. That's not right. It should be stopped. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Michael Austin, Americans for Prosperity for the state of uh, Kansas here. Let's talk about some economic issues. Uh, Coming up after the bottom of the hour, we have uh, the Wichita Area Builders Association coming in, talking about their parade of homes. And uh, obviously, I'm going to pick his brain on a little bit as well, but real estate right now is insane with this 9% inflation rate. Mortgage applications are right around 7% nationwide. Not sure what they are here in the state of Kansas right now. But the economy obviously taking a major hit in the real estate industry and consumer, the GDP. Michael, I thought the definition of a recession was that you had to have two quarters in a row of negative GDP growth. We've now had three, and investors still say that we're not in a recession. So I ask you, are we in a recession right now? Look, you don't need to get a weather report. You don't need to go with, you know, to get a thermometer to know if it's sunny outside. You know, yes, there are technical definitions for recessions, but at the same time, when things are bad, you just know it. When it's harder for you to make ends meet, you know it. When when you don't have a job or when prices are, are going out of control, you know things are not looking well. You don't need, you know, some scientists with, you know, five different PhDs to tell you what's going on in your life. Um, and that's the same thing that goes here with this recession. Unfortunately, we're in a scenario where because we've been playing woke games, we are winning woke prizes, and we are stuck between an economic rock and a hard place. Either we're going to have high inflation, or we're going to have a recession. Yeah, we are going to have a recession. It is, and it's not just, I mean, real estate, which real estate, I think is going to come back up. We've had such a hot market. It's been awesome. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, some of the stuff there. But at the same time, the grocery stores don't have things and gas is sitting still over $3 a gallon. It's moving back upwards again. It's sitting, I don't know, in Wichita, I think 340 when I came down this morning, uh, floating right around there. At some point, something's got to break, doesn't it? I mean, I know the Biden administration is trying to lock down the oil industry, but Uh, eventually when OPEC stops producing, like they already said they're going to, instead of just writing them a very angry letter, maybe we should like, oh, I don't know, like produce our oil on the home frontier. Uh, That's exactly what we should do. I mean, that's exactly what President Trump did. And what, within two years, he had brought gas prices down to its lowest levels, you know, seen, I believe, since before the Obama administration. So record low levels. Um, And yet Joe Biden doesn't want to do that. He'd rather, you know, uh, placate and and, and treat with dictators and, and, you know, renege on trade agreements with communist and socialist countries like Venezuela, all except 
you know, helping the American business get their two feet on the ground. Um, it just really goes to show that, you know what, either we're going to see these high prices or we're going to see an economic collapse. And unfortunately, it seems like we're getting the best of both worlds here. We're going to see both. Let's bring it down to the home front here in the state of Kansas and see how things are affecting us. Governor Kelly, obviously, with spending millions upon millions upon millions of dollars all summer long going after Derek Schmidt, even before the primaries, which I found kind of ironic, she's still struggling in the polls and largely due to being kind of a progressive when it comes to higher taxes and bigger government spending. So she's taken the approach now, Michael, of essentially running as a Republican, that she wants the immediate cutting of sales tax on food. She wants tax breaks on senior citizens. She wants property tax reductions. She's pushing for all these things that she fought against for years, but she realizes how bad the state of the economy is under Democrat control right now, and I'm sensing a little bit of desperation right now. What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Laura Kelly and, and, and her entourage have realized that uh, Americans have basically given up on seeing progressive policies grow, you know, their economic well-being. They, American families, the Kansas families have realized that these policies aren't working. Progressive policies don't make their life any better. So I'm not surprised Laura Kelly is just, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and now basically calling herself a Republican as much as she can. But the reality still goes to say that she had uh, allowed so many tax increases to go through. She has grown government well beyond its means, and she has increased regulations, you know, to unsustainable levels. It's not a surprise that the Kansas economy is in the bottom rung of growth among all 50 states in this country. Yeah, her entire campaign lately has been trying to do all these ribbon cuttings and announcements of new business coming to the state, but is that going to do the job? I mean, we can announce a major warehouse coming to the state, which is great. Let's bring in some more money and let's bring in some more companies. But when the small mom and pop down the street can't afford to hire on any waiters or waitresses or bartenders or nightclub security, or they can't even open their doors because of how bad the economy is, then I think most people on the ground are going to see the difference here, aren't they? I agree. And let's and let's also remember the fact here. She's doing these photo ops. She's doing this ribbon cutting with your tax dollars, mm. right? She is gifting. She is gifting all these select political donors and businesses your tax money and then taking pictures to show that she's successful. So ultimately, Kansas families know that when they have less money in their wallet, right, it doesn't matter how many uh, photo ops she can do. It What really matters is whether prices are dropping. What really matters is if it's easier to start their own business or whether they can use, uh, at least get a job. But Laura Kelly is in this business of LBJ or uh, in this business of Obama, where she silently takes your money and then spends it flamboyantly in your face, hoping that you think that she's doing a good job. Yeah, amen to that. we got a few minutes left here, but when the legislature gets back up in Topeka, hopefully we have a few more Republican seats. I'm optimistic we could hit and break that 90-person threshold for Republicans in the House of Representatives and uh, continue to extend our supermajority in both chambers. When they get up there, economically, budget-wise, what should be the their number one priority? Should it be eliminating the sales tax on food immediately? Should it be trying to balance the budget and trim some more out of our our state agencies? What do you think they should focus on? Uh, limiting government, decreasing its size and scope. You do that and you gain all the benefits of lowering the sales uh, tax on food or regulations or, or income tax, you know, Ten, tenfold, you know, bloated government is getting into this, getting us into this mess. Fixing bloating government is the only way to get us out. So, seeing a budget, a spending budget that is slower than the growth of inflation, slower than you know, let's say our population growth, so that we can stay within our means, I think is the best way for us to see economic prosperity ahead. Oh come on, man! We're just going to legalize gambling, and that's just going to pay for all the bills in the state, right? Oh yeah, that has no <laughs> unintended consequences at all. That can't be bad.
I mean, I'm all for the legalization of it, like we've seen. But I mean, that, I saw the headline that they came out with a uh, what was it about a week or so ago, saying, "Hey, the first month of sports gambling in the state, we brought in 150 thousand dollars of the state. We're doing good. Let's just make this." Ha-. And I'm realizing that I think they're relying is on that is too much, maybe of a crutch of uh, state revenue. No, I, I I think so as well. You know, I might have a differing opinion on 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 state gambling, but you know what? It's not it's not your solution here. The solution is government because it it got us into this mess, right? And so you really need to you know pull back that government so that it works just like a family budget, just like a business budget. That means it lives within its means. Yeah, are they going to? Do you think with uh, some of these new ideas of where to bring in revenue, are they going to focus and rely on too many of the maybe entertainment or too much of the outside revenue? of the sports gambling, maybe the push for marijuana here in the state as well. I mean, are these going to be the new uh, new flashy ways to try and bring in revenue for them to say the economy is doing well here in Kansas? You know, the thing about most uh, politicians, even Kansas politicians, is that they will always try to find the easy way out instead of taking the, you know, the, the most straightforward, you know, answer. And the most straightforward, truthful answer is to cut wasteful government spending. But let's be honest, that's hard to do. And it's hard to get politicians to have a backbone to do it. And so that's why you have so much attention to sports gambling or, or uh, uh, medicinal marijuana that could potentially lead to recreational marijuana. All these flashy new ideas is because to a politician, it's far easier to push for that than it is to get the job done and make sure that government is not taking too much money out of American families there it is we got a lot of work to do and i think we're on the right track and if uh, i'm optimistic and last question for you here before we let you go but i'm optimistic about this election i think we are going to see a a greater republican majority in both chambers i am optimistic about the governor's race secretary of state attorney general all down the list here but your thoughts going into it do you think we're going to see the outcome that uh, many are anticipating right now I sure do hope so. And and for us, it's not necessarily Republican. It, it's making sure we have those candidates that promote a free market and that promote a limited government. Exactly. I most certainly know that Derek Schmidt will do that in the governor's office. And we have many different state House and state Senate candidates that are doing the same. Um, I think we're looking good. Uh, but of course, we need to make sure that Kansans get out and vote and make sure that we get the government that we want to see here. Turn out the vote and let's make it happen, man. Like you said, it's not a party thing. Let's just have some common sense legislation, which is deregulate the government, which is crazy, and let the free market flourish and thrive and do what you guys do. It is Michael Austin, Americans for Prosperity for the state of Kansas. Michael, it's always good to talk to you, my friend, the guru on economics, and we love having you on the show. Got to do it again soon. Thanks, Andy. Until next time. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right, we'll take a break. we got a few minutes here before the bottom of the hour. Then we shift gears. I am excited to talk about the Fall Parade of Homes. Wichita Area Builders Association. The man himself, Wes, he'll be in studio with us here in just a few minutes. We'll chat with him coming up to wrap up the program on a Saturday. It is Candace Talk. It is Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Lots more to get to. Stay here. Past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks again to Michael Austin, Americans for Prosperity, coming on the show. Always great to chat with him and a great insight on some of the economic issues going on here. I do find, again, ironic how the change in tone has been made by some politicians on 
We need to tax. We need bigger government. Then, no, we're going to cut the taxes. And now we have the change from let's do the slow progression. you got to remember the evolution of Governor Kelly here. We started off when she first took office and campaigned on cutting sales tax on food after voting against it as a state senator for years. But that's besides the point. Says, we're not going to do it. I remember the quote very clearly. She said, we're not going to do it right now. We need to let the dust settle after the Brownback administration. Then COVID hit. And nothing obviously got changed. So then the question was, what do we do after uh, she did? I mean, we still had it. Where did it go? She actually uh, vetoed it twice uh, for the cutting of the sales tax during the administration. Now that the economy's in the tank, now that we're spending more money, now that the grocery stores are flimsy on food, to say the least right now, then she says, well, okay, let's go ahead and do it as her campaign tactic, stalking people in the grocery store with the axe, saying she wants to axe the tax. And now she comes out and says her new plan is going to remove it immediately, which is, again, hilarious. So uh, the evolution of the candidates is quite ironic, as opposed to some that have been relatively consistent. We'll talk some more about that coming up uh, later on in the program. Plus, we have our constitutional amendments. Are you familiar with them, Ish? We've talked about them throughout the program. Do you know what's going to be on the ballot this year? And how much more do you think we need to be aware? Over the next few weeks, we have all the statewide candidates, uh, the candidate for governor, Derek Schmidt, Scott Schwab, Secretary of State, Chris Kobach, Attorney General, all those other candidates uh, we'll have on the program to get one last big push before Election Day coming up in a few weeks. Can you imagine? We're almost there. Almost there. When we come back, though, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And it is hot and heavy going on right now. The middle of it, we have a couple more weeks of it. The Fall Parade of Homes from the Wichita Area Builders Association. We'll talk with Wes White after the bottom of the hour break. It's Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. It's Kansas Talk. Stay right here. Wichita's number one in talk radio. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM. Yes, it is. Welcome back into the program. Last half hour of the show. Boy, it flies right on by. What a show we've had already, too. Rick Lindsay, Republican candidate, House District number 86, joined us an hour ago. We just had Michael Austin on the program, Americans for Prosperity for the state of Kansas, talking about some economic issues. We've covered a lot of ground on what's going to be on the ballot for November, but I want to shift gears a little bit because it's not all just about politics. Got to have some fun as well. And now is the perfect time to do it. I love you guys do this. Right at this time of year, the fall time's hitting. We're seeing some of the new stuff. People are thinking about doing their upgrades or remodels or whatever they're doing. And now I'm excited to have with us here from the Wichita Area Builders Association, president of the Wichita Area Builders Association. Wes is in studio with us. Wes, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you for having us. It is good to talk to you again. I love every time you guys come in here. And I am so excited about your parade of homes here. I can't wait to see this either this week or next weekend because we have a couple more weeks. But uh, you guys kicked off last week. How's it gone so far? It's gone really well. We put out an email to all of our on-site agents at Holy's Homes Open during the parade to tell us what kind of feedback they're getting and because there's obviously speculation about, well, is the market holding? Is it slowing down a lot? Is it speeding up? Mm-hmm. It's the same, whatever. And what we found out uh, from the feedback we got for the first weekend, people are serious. They're out looking. The numbers are as good or better than last year. Wow. And and I think the parade is an opportunity for people to go see the best of the best builders has to offer. What's new in, re- in, in terms of design and what have you that they're utilizing as a response to the public that they deal with and you know throughout the year and that their agents deal with. And uh, it's a it's a it's a great place for people to go, look at what's new. We always say we'll find out why new is better because that's our our bias, but it's true. Yeah. And but home ownership is really the main gig, and we encourage home ownership above anything else. 
That is good. And I'm glad to hear that there's still a market for it. Now, I know throughout this year, and we've talked to realtors on the program throughout the summertime, especially, and how crazy the housing market has been to where you can, it's hard to find homes. And, and a lot of builders have had a hard time just keeping up with some of the high demand. I figured with the economy, the 9% inflation, the high mortgage rates that we're seeing right now, that it would slow down a little bit. But we're, that's not what you guys are seeing right now. Not yet. We have an indicate. We see indicators that it'll start slowing down some. But uh, okay. the biggest problem we had for the last couple of years is just lack of inventory on the in- on the resale side, the used home side, and the new home side. And uh, so, so uh, people, you know, people, the buying activity was brisk. There was a lot of people, I think, that realized that if they're going to put their money somewhere, and there's all kind of risks, regardless of what you do. Probably putting it in a house and growing your equity is one of the safest places you can put it. Sure. And I think that's what drove the activity, as well as low record low interest rates that are not record low anymore. There, but they're still low on a historical perspective. Sure, that is very true. Uh, I, I'm really glad to hear that. I love it. Now for the Parada Homes. Uh, talk about first off before we get into some of these homes and the in the uh, the route and everything. Talk about the price range and kind of how you guys laid out this parade of homes for this fall. Okay, we have a hundred homes in this particular parade, and um, they're they're located throughout the Greater Wichita and surrounding area. Forty one of them, there are forty one new home neighborhoods that have have the hundred homes in them by forty six builders. Okay, and the prices range from two hundred and two hundred fifty thousand to an excess of a million eight. Ooh, and I so love there's it. prices in a location. Uh, and for everyone, sure. So whether you're an entry level buyer, or you're a high end buyer, or you're someplace in between, or you're just looking and you haven't made up your mind to buy yet, or you're getting ideas for remodeling, which a lot of people do, we know that it upgrades the housing market overall and keeps the housing market in good shape. And it's uh, it's as we always say the best time to buy a home is today. Whether today was two years ago for you, or today, or it will be in the future. Because you start building that equity as soon as you purchase that home and close the transaction. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, stock market's pretty uncertain, but real estate's always going to have value. Yeah. I've been in this business 36 years at the Builders Association since 1972, after I got out of college here in Kansas. And I, I looking back, I would honestly say that there were ups and downs in the housing market. There always is. There isn't in any market. But I think the people that buy as soon as they can and start building an equity home are better off than others. Sure. Because- over time, the trend is upward. Yeah, that is true. Now, these homes here, these are all all brand new built all brand homes, new correct? Homes. Yes. Talk about the styles and how style has changed and evolved over the years. And I think we talked a little bit about this last time we you did. came in. But obviously, things have changed the last few years. I, it's kind of neat. I never really thought of the housing market almost like the auto industry, where they come up with new models and a new mm-hmm. slick look of each car each year with the with the different models, but. Houses always have just the little bitty changes, the little bitty layout differences and, right. and kind of the style differences and, and looks. Talk about how it's evolved and how this year's looks compared to the past few years. Well, I think one, one of the things we saw during the two years of the pandemic is a lot of people work from home or, or still work from home or want to work from home full-time or part-time, and the kids were home because the schools weren't in, you know filling up like they should. And I think what it did, it made people rethink, along with other factors, how they just live in their home, how they want to live in their home, and how much flexibility they need yeah. in terms of the footprint and how it's laid out. So one of the things they see and they'll see in homes now, and it started last year, but they'll see more of it now, is thought given to how you live in a home, how much flexibility you build into it. And then the other thing is the incorporation of workspaces in the house. Not so much office space, oh, okay. that's a big part of it, but work areas where if you're working from home, you have a designated work area that's integrated into it. It's just not a, a table with a phone on it or a computer shoved in a corner someplace. It's actually 
it's been given thought, incorporated into the homes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that serves a purpose on an ongoing basis. So the same for kids as well. So that's a that's a major thing, I think. Um, and then I think people have given a lot of thought to integrating the the outdoor features into the home in terms of the feel. Sure. So you can integrate the outside with the inside and that sort of thing. With So we've done that with larger decks, larger patios, fireplaces outside, morning rooms outside, that sort of thing. The addition of flex rooms so you can expand and contract how you live in your home and what you use those rooms for. And they're more energy efficient than they've ever been. Sure. Um, they're expensive, relatively speaking, compared to what they were, but prices go up on everything. Sure. Last two years we've had a real about i guess you would say a real challenge dealing with the the supply chain sure a lot of a su- lot of supplies weren't available it was kind of a backhole like kind of a hold on building it was it for a while it wasn't was there? yeah it was and what would happen is you know you used to when you used to when you started building your home you know you could go ahead and at the, at the framing stage order your windows and other things now you order a lot of stuff before you ever build it. oh my god before you ever start so you got to store it <laughs> So that makes a and difference. And hope it all puts, comes yeah, together. And that's, yeah, and that makes a difference here to how you handle your cash flow and everything else. And and there's a lot more dialogue held with people as a result of the impact of the supply chain about here's the price of the home, here's the price of options and that sort of thing. There's a likelihood that there can be variations in prices as they're dropped as they're dropped here, regardless of where they're shipped from. So we put some in, in, in um, escalation clauses and contracts so at certain intervals and during the building process, if you feel you're getting, you're overreaching or you're not being able to afford it, we can take a look then and make adjustments to what, how we're building the home and what's going in it sure. to keep you in the game. Other than just coming out at the end and say, gosh, that's so much more expensive, I can't afford it. Just can't do it. No, yeah. and, and people are a lot, people are pretty savvy and they work together really, really well. But I think they really understood the value of home ownership and whether you're moving up or, move, or staying in the same price range in just a different location or you're looking to size down or whatever else, all that's in play when they see these homes in the parade. And the nice thing about the homes, they can go out and see the latest features that uh, people are attracted to. Sure. And last week we released our uh, winner's ad, which is our Parade of Homes ad. Parade start last week on Saturday and Sunday. Monday, 24 people were on six panels out judging all these homes. Okay. And so they rate uh, not only the home as a whole based on certain improvements built into the home, they're at the kitchen, bath, landscaping, all that kind of stuff. And then we release an ad uh, on the Internet and on our website and others. It shows the pick of the parade, the very top ones in each price category, and then the ones that won in other categories as well. So it kind of helps orient people to what if they're interested in baths and kitchens and baths or master suites or, or whatever, they know they can go to the homes that were the winners. Sure. And save a little more time and see more product by doing that. So it's, it's worthwhile doing. It is worthwhile. I love that. Uh, you had mentioned trends about people either upgrading or downgrading. Have you seen one trend or the other going either bigger or smaller? I mean, you mentioned more people maybe focusing on homework areas. So maybe the house needs to get bigger for that mm-hmm. workspace compared to having the kids on one side of the house, you working on the other side of the house. But at the same time, I've heard other people say, I want to downgrade for more um, like energy efficiency. Yeah. So have you seen the trend kind of one way or the other? We've seen it both ways. Okay. And I think if you look at the look at the big picture, it kind of evens out. People want to upgrade, mm-hmm. and and when they upgrade their house, it doesn't necessarily mean bigger. Sure, they want a maybe a same footprint in size, or even maybe even a smaller footprint, but they want more expensive things in it because mm-hmm. they want this certain type of lifestyle. 
Gotcha. So it just varies depending on the orientation of the people. But uh, we're still seeing mostly ranches in the area because ranches have been what people have been oriented to for the past decade or so, where the home is open uh, and you define your spaces by virtue of how you decorate it and the furniture and stuff you put in it, which gives you a lot more flexibility down the road. Yeah. But uh, things are changing. There's a lot of people, a lot more people looking at patio homes. Okay. Because okay. they want to live in on a, in an area that's a little more dense. Uh, with people that are like-minded and age group and that sort of thing, and they don't want to have to take care of it, so all the all the outside and outside um, in, uh, of the home is taken care of, including mowing, snow removal, that sort of thing. Sure. So they just basically move in, live in it, and that sort of thing. So, and again, that has the new features being incorporated into it. So, okay. Um, I think as people age and get, whether they're young, middle-aged, or older, they their lifestyle changes, and that's some of the motivation for moving. A lot of people go out and look at their homes at the homes in the parade and say, well, I wish we could put that in our home. And in many cases, they opt to do that by remodeling or a little or a lot or redecorating. Sure. But eventually, if there's a lot of changes they need and they say, I like this in my home, I don't like this in my home, then they become new home buyers. Gotcha. They just find what they like and they say, hey, this is going to be a better fit for us anyways. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, I like that. Uh, The focal points, what, and we've talked about this, I think, in the past before, the evolution of the focal points. It used to be the kitchen. Kitchen had to be the best thing in the world out there. Now with my generation, uh, unfortunately, my generation's a little bit strange. I get it. (laughs) Um, But they don't necessarily focus on kitchen or cooking or that kind of stuff as much. They want more of the curbside appeal. This year, what's been kind of the more of the focal point? Has it been curbside stuff? Has it been, like you said, just the the luxurious stuff inside the amenities? I mean, kind of what's been? It's been a lot of both. It's both it's curbside as well. But I think what people are looking at is a lot of people don't cook like they used to. Yeah. But they eat and they entertain. So the kitchen and great room area is still an important part of the home because they can get all everybody together in kind of one general location. Even though you got different areas by virtue of how you put furniture and everything else, but you can keep everybody together and everybody can be part of the mix conversation that sort of thing so that's still important master suite and bath is big big important bathrooms are a big deal uh for people because it's we kind of call it your quiet suite retreat at the end of the day that sort of thing sure but uh you know built in uh, um built in um uh, entertainment systems and that sort of thing and okay. sound integrated throughout the home energy efficiency yeah. is a huge deal because of the cost of energy okay and it's uh when you know we used to hear a lot about green building Mm-hmm. What green building really meant for most people was more energy efficiency sure. and indoor air quality, the improvement of the indoor environment. And that's accomplished with new homes more so than you can go back and retrofit other homes because you cut the old blending with the new. Okay. And a lot of people are really interested in that. Big windows bringing the light inside, high ceilings, that sort of stuff. Quiet. I want the homes well insulated because they're quiet and that sort of thing. Sure. And the way they sit on the lot. And almost everybody wants a three-car garage. Yeah, the car uh, garage continues to get bigger, which I'm okay with the three-car yeah. three garage. I can do that. Yeah. I like that. I've seen some of them where, you know, they have the, uh, I left, they have the regular, like, car size door, then they have the little bitty, like, ATV door, and then they have the big RV door. And yeah. they just have, you know, just the whole gamut. You can put in whatever you want to in there, that's and that's, that's what I'm all about. But a lot of people got a lot of toys. <laughs> that's <laughs> and right. They, and they want a place to secure a, them. Any kind of place that you want. <laughs> exactly. I like that. Now, style on the outside, what's popular now? Is it? Uh, is it the siding? Is it brick? Is it uh, what's kind of the flavor now? It's a combination of all those things. Okay, uh, it's more than the traditional. You know, we used to have traditional and early American, French, that sort of thing. Sure. I think overall, it's it's more of a traditional look with some flares of English and Italian mm-hmm. and French okay. and that sort of thing. Sure. And with the array of products we have anymore to build these homes out of and finish them on the inside and out, there's so much available. 
Sure. People do really get the opportunity to make a statement about how they want their home to look as a reflection of them, whether it's on the inside or out. So that's that's possible regardless. That is true. Uh, coming from Colorado, I saw a lot of them. I don't know that I see many out here, but log homes. Yes. That's, we do have some around here? We do, and they're mostly in the countryside. Don't have a lot. Okay. But we do out on large acreage tracks. You'll see people want to do those. Okay. Um, it's just hard to remodel them because obviously it's just like it, in place. It is. It is. Yeah. It's expensive to remodel them, too, because of the way they're built. For true log home, you know, you know, and it's not going to be easy to remodel. <laughs> so like it the first time when you build it because yeah, you you're stuck like with it. it. <laughs> yeah. You can remodel it, but you're going to pay a lot for it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, we got a few minutes left here, but I want to talk about talk about the tour. Where can people find these homes and, and talk about kind of how the tour goes this year? Okay, we start we start in one part of town uh, and then go kind of around in a circle and fill in in between. Okay. We've published a magazine, and it's the Parade of Homes magazine, fall 2020, 2022 version. That is available online at wabahome.com, at newhomeswichita.com, and it's, they're also available at every home that's entered in the parade. So while we have, and then there's, uh, there's, a rendering of each home, a description of each home, and there's a small map to the lower right-hand corner of the where each home is displayed to help people find the area because some of these areas are new and they're not on maps yet. Sure. So they and it makes it easy to find them. Near in the back of the book, near the back of the book, there is a a map of the whole area that shows where all these homes are. Awesome. And 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 these numbers on the map re, uh, relate to these homes that are listed in here, and with price range and description and everything else. And we've we've made a larger uh, in, insert for the small areas like Derby, Mays, that sort of thing. Okay. So people, when they get out there, they can find it easier. So they can find it on the big map, get to the area, and then find it easier in the city. It's smaller, yeah. And you guys cover a wide range here, all the way from Goddard out to Andover, Park City up in the north end, all the way down to Mulvane uh, in Derby area. So yeah, you guys have a, a wide range here. We really do. And what we looked at looked at recently, the the number of permits that have been pulled this year compared to last year, and the most current numbers are through August. We're oh, greater areas, eleven percent up. In okay. terms of the number of permits that have been pulled to build homes, sure, compared to last year, and we think we'll end the year in pretty good shape. Um, but uh, that's a reflection of and and we not only survey Wichita and the counties, but we survey 14 of the outlying small cities. So if there's any construction at all going on, we have those permits, and 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 it's pretty much a reflection of where the areas are given this map. Sure, it's not every home that's under construction, but it's the Great okay. homes they use for marketing and merchandising. Just so there's others out now. there as well. Exactly. I love it. Uh, not to be too biased, but your favorite home that's in the parade this year, what do you like? One I'm living in. The one you're, oh, you're moving into it. Hey, no, no, the one I'm living in. No, the living in. You're, you're it still was a new home one. not too long ago. I love it. Okay. All right. You know, Very they're, good. They're all, you'll like them all. I was going to say, I mean, just looking through the pictures here, uh, what you guys, and for those watching the Facebook feed, we have the Parade of Homes uh, magazine here yeah. that you can get, and you can see that, as you said, on the website as well at wabahome.com. But looking through these pictures, all of them just look really pretty. They're just they are. really good looking, cool looking houses. So I can't wait to see some of these myself. You'll love them. Go see them. You'll be surprised at what you see. It just gets better every year. Go check it out. So uh, to talk about the hours and the days where you can see them. It's going on this weekend and next weekend, correct? Yes, and the homes are open noon to 6, and they're manned by representatives of the agents and developers of the new home communities the homes are in, and they're the best person to talk to about what you're interested in. If you can go out and okay. talk to them about that, go through the homes. If you have questions, they know what's going on with the area. They know how it's put together. They know what's planned as far as recreational activities and other things. They know what's what's going on in the surrounding area. They know about transportation, schools, all that stuff. All they know, and how the builders the got selected, so they can find out right there, and they can find out about financing and what's coming up and any incentives builders are offering. Boy, all the Can't information that you need. 
That's yeah. it. All you got to do is show us the money and you're in. Man, make it happen. <laughs> I love it. It is the Wichita Area Builders Association. Wabahome.com. Go check out the website. Go check out the magazine. Highly recommend you go check out this parade of homes for fall 2022. They get better and better every single year, and I am excited to see what's in store this year. Wes, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Hey, always a pleasure. We'll look forward to doing it again here soon for the next one and get a recap on how this one went. We'll take a break. we got a few minutes left here of the program. We'll open up to you here for the last couple minutes as we wrap up the show. It is Candace Talk. It is Wichita's Big Talker. 1480 KQAM. Stay here. Golly, it flies right on by. We appreciate Wes coming on the program at Wichita Area Builders Association, wabahome.com. Go and check out the website and uh, the Fall Parade of Homes. Very cool to see. Very cool to check out. It's coming up this weekend at noon to 6 and next weekend at noon to 6 as well. Three weeks as they move through and see some of the new homes. I love the styles. I never even thought about homes like having different designs from the how they evolve throughout the years and how they get to do different new amenities. And it makes sense with people wanting to work from home, having not just that computer stuck in the corner, but actually having an office built in. And then the family area over there where the kids can actually play and not disturb you while you're out there working. That's cool. I love that stuff. And it's really exciting to see how the homes are going to evolve. So we'll touch uh, touch base with him again here coming up soon and what's going on in the real estate industry. And it's good to hear that it hasn't slowed down yet. Hopefully the economy doesn't crash too hard for the uh, real estate to slow down more because that would be really sad thanks biden administration we appreciate that very much all right that does it for us today coming up the weekend michael brown right around the corner here on kqam we're back at it again for two more episodes of candace talk before election day so we're going to have all the candidates moving through here get ready for those until then we're back at it next saturday we're also back at it on monday for the voice of reason for your national broadcast i'm andy hoosier this is candace talk everybody have a great weekend get out knock some doors talk to people let everybody know what's up with Election Day right around the corner. Not just the candidates, but the issues on there as well going to be kind of important. Until then, everybody, have a great weekend. We'll see you here on the radio on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM.